it's that time of the service to read the Bible. So if you could open up uh, John chapter 10, uh, verse 11 to 18. John chapter 10, verse 11 to 18. John chapter 10, verse 11 to 18. I'm reading the ESV version. Uh, This is the word of God. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the Word of God. Um, before I jump into the sermon, um, I just want to thank us as a church for um, the last few weeks as we were gathering the love offering for Lois. Um, we, we kind of stopped gathering it. We sent it through to Lois this week. And I just want to wanted to thank everyone for your generosity. Uh, we raised uh, close to uh, $10,000, and so um, we've sent that through. I don't know if it's arrived, uh, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys. Alrighty. You know, our, our Lord Jesus, he used a variety of images uh, to describe himself uh, throughout the Gospels. Right? He is the light of the world, right? the one that brings enlightenment and guidance to those who are lost. Right? He's the bread of life. Right, he's the living water, the one who spiritually nourishes us and sustains us and satisfies us. He's the vine, he says. He's the one we need to stick close to, abide in, through whom we might see transformation. And there are a lot of descriptions that Jesus uses to describe himself. And yet out of all these uh, metaphors, I think perhaps the most comforting is when he described himself as the good shepherd. Right? The passage we just heard. Jesus says, in that passage, that as our good shepherd, he lays down his life for us, right, for the sheep. He says he protects us from the wolves that try to snatch and scatter us. He says that as, he, as a shepherd, he, he knows us and that we can know him. Right? And Jesus, even right now, right, as he is seated on the throne, he is our shepherd. Right? He's our chief shepherd, our great shepherd today. And he's still doing those things for us. And yet, when you look in the scriptures, as Jesus, he died on the cross, right, for our sins, and then he rose from the dead, we see that he then entrusts uh, that role partly to people on earth, right, earthly shepherds, who under his authority and his leadership would then shepherd the church, right? So he's the chief shepherd, and he has established also these earthly or under shepherds is the term that people tend to use. And we begin to see this happen in John chapter uh, 21. When he gets Peter and he tells Peter, feed my lambs, he tells Peter, tend my sheep, 
and feed my sheep. And so he kind of passes the baton onto Peter and really the rest of the apostles. And then later when Peter, he writes his letter to the churches, he then says this. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He tells the elders, I exhort the elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so Jesus is our great shepherd. He's our chief shepherd. He's the head of the church. And yet he has, as he has ascended to heaven, passed on this kind of role onto earthly leaders. Right? And we see here that Peter talks about them. They are the elders of the church. And so for the next three weeks, we are talking about these shepherd leaders. Right? That's the, well, that's the title of this series. These the shepherd leaders of the church. And so we're talking about the elders of the church with Christ who is above us. And I'm going to unpack uh, this. Um, what I'm going to unpack today is what do elders actually do in the church? Right? What is the role of an elder? And the reason why I want to talk about this is so that, number one, uh, you may understand. Right? We, we have elders, but, but what do they do? Right? I want you to know, especially because some of us, we're going to vote in some elders. And what are we voting them in to do? The second thing is that I want you to know what it means for you, right? Because the role of an elder is going to affect you. And really, the elders serve the church. So I want you to know what, what gain that you might actually gain from having elders. And the third reason is that as you know what elders do, that we as a church might support the elders, right? Support them as they fulfill their role. And so I'm going to talk about four things that elders do. Uh, you might, I talked about this, I think, uh, last year. Elders lead the church, uh, they feed the church, they plead for the church, and then they heed the needs of the church, right? Got it to rhyme. They lead, they, they feed, they plead, and they heed the needs, right? They're the four things we're looking at. And so number one, elders lead the church. I think out of all the roles or the functions of an elder, this one might come the most obvious, right? Lead, elders lead, right? They lead the church. And this is definitely one of the key roles of an elder. Uh, when we gather as the plurality of the elders, we might call them a council or a board, they get together to discuss and to make decisions on a high level right, to set the direction of the church. Right? So they discuss, they decide, and set direction. And you see this in the title of an elder. Now, these three titles are the titles we find in the Bible to describe this kind of um, position over the church. And Different churches might have different um, stances on this, but at Kingsway, we believe these are all talking about the same role. Right? This is the same office. The elder is the overseer who is the shepherd. Right? And you find these described in different ways, but they're the same kind of group of people. Right? They're the elders. And so when you think about an elder, you think of someone experienced, someone wise, someone that you might go to to seek counsel or guidance. Right? They have some sort of moral authority Right, in the church. And so in that sense, the word elder implies leadership. An overseer implies leadership. Right? They're watching over. They have oversight over a people or an organization. And again, the image of a shepherd describes someone who is leading the sheep. Right? They have charge over a flock of sheep. And when we look at the way that uh, God is described as a shepherd, that's what he does. 
right? In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so God is our shepherd. He's doing that for all of us. And yet as he establishes these under shepherds in the church, the shepherds are also, the elders are also leading the church. We see this described in the New Testament as well. Paul tells Timothy, let the elders who rule well, right? So the elders are ruling and some do it well, he's saying. Uh, So hopefully we'll all do it well, but that's what they do. They rule. And in Hebrews 13, the author says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Right, which again implies that the elders are you know, making decisions, telling the church what to do, and the church is invited to follow their decisions. Right, the elder board leads. Now, when you look at the secular world, that's kind of what we see. You have a board maybe of an organization. They gather together. They discuss stuff. They decide stuff. Is, is that exactly what we are doing as elders? And in some ways, it's similar. Right? We gather together. We make decisions as a board. And yet one key difference between a church board and a secular board is the quality of the way that we lead. I'm not saying no secular organization does this, but we model our leadership of Jesus Christ. And so one key kind of quality that we are seeking is that as we lead, we are serving. And when you look at the way our Lord Jesus came to lead the church, right, to, to lead his people, he was king and yet he came to serve. Right? He was the servant king. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Right? He is the master who washed his disciples' feet. And so when we think about leadership in the church, it's a bit upside down because the leaders of the church are here to serve the church. Right? We are here to serve you. This is true not only of the church, it's true of the home. Right? The, the, the leaders of the church in the home serve. It's true when you look at Christ, he came to serve. It's true of elders, we serve. Right? Jesus said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Right? If you want to be first according to God's design, you must serve. You must be last. And so elders, we serve. Right? Not for our glory, but for God's. And not for our gain, but for yours. That is what the elders are here to do. Uh, we're, not, um, we're not here to make ourselves better. We're not here to serve our own agenda. Right? As we gather together and as we discuss, we're thinking, what's good for you? Right? What's good for the church? Uh, in the Christian leadership, the higher you get, the lower you go. That, that's Christian leadership. It's not the higher you get, the more you get. The higher you get, you know, the greater you get. The higher you get, really, the lower you go in posture. Right? That's what Christian leadership is here to do, to serve other people. And this is really important when you think about the church. You know, as you get really smart people together in one room, uh, the potential is that there will be bickering and differing of opinions. People are strong in their, their, their thinking, they have an agenda, and quite possibly they clash. And I don't know if you've seen that in the church. And the reason why servant leadership is so important in the church, right, that quality that is really humility is important is that, is that as we gather together as elders, we are listening. Right? We share our opinion and yet we, we, we consider what other people are saying. And in that way, we might not you know, grow apart, but really grow in unity. Right? This is a very important trait, that we lead in service. We're going to try our best. We might fail at times, 
but this is the aspiration. And so as the future elder board begins to gather, right, as at the end of the year or at the start of next year, this is one of our functions. We'll discuss, we'll decide, we'll set direction, and we'll lead the church. Now practically what it means is that every elder that will get voted in um, will get one vote in the board, and I will have a vote as well. I'm, I'm an elder. And until now, we've actually made every decision unanimous. Right? We haven't ever decided as a council, right? We had an interim council until now. We haven't made any decisions that all of us weren't happy with. And we may continue to do that. That would be a great way to do it. But technically, we all have one vote um, as we gather together. But when we gather together and make these votes, again, our dedication, our commitment is to think about you, to think about the church and what honors God and what helps you. And as I say this, I, I guess my request for you is that you would then entrust yourself to this leadership. Um, to not treat uh, your place in the church li- like a consumer where you, know, you might be like, oh, I disagree with that, or I could have made a better decision. And uh, Maybe you can, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, but as much as possible that we as a church would have a heart, like maybe you'd see your, your, your parents, where they have a role, and maybe they could do better, but your position is not to criticize when they fail, but to help them so that they might grow to be better parents, right? You're there to champion them and support them. And so as elders, we're going to do our best. But when we fail, would you cover us with forgiveness and love? Would you pray for us? Maybe give us some good feedback, but try to champion us so that the elders might grow to be better. Right, we'll go to the second point. This is to feed. By the way, is this, is this on heat? Is it really warm in here? Okay, I don't know. Can you? (laughs) It's really warm. I don't know if it's on. Oh, thank you. The second one is that they feed. The second function of the elders is that they feed the church. Now, uh, when I say feed the church, I don't mean sausage sizzles, even though the council did that uh, that, uh, a few months ago, and that's nice. But feed us spiritually in the word of God. Interestingly, in 1 Timothy, when you have a list of qualifications of what uh, an elder needs to be, they're all character traits. And the only, uh, th- only kind of listing that is about their competency, what they should be able to do, is that they can teach. Right? 1 Timothy 3, that they are able to teach. Now this is important because God leads his church and rules his church through his word. There's our authority as a church. We go to the scriptures and we say, God, what do you want for us as a church? So if that's the way that God wants to lead his church, then it makes sense that his under shepherds also embrace his word, teach his word, and lead according to his word. The moment we stray from God's word, we are straying from God. And so it's very important that the elders lead and teach God's word. And so Titus, in Titus 1, Paul says to Titus, he, that is an elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Right, so there's three things here that an elder needs to do in relation to the word, and they build on each other. And the first is that they first need to know God's word. An elder is a person who holds firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Right, so they've heard the word, it's been taught to them, they know it and they're holding firm to it in their life. And so before an elder can feed the church, they must have been fed themselves from God. They must be nourished in the word itself. And they must have at least a baseline level of an understanding of God's word. They have sound and solid doctrine. 
so that they might then teach God's word. Right? It says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Every elder is a teacher of God's word. Right? Every elder is entrusted to teach God's word to the church. Now, isn't that what a, what a pastor does? Right? Isn't that what I do? Now, Paul uh, distinguishes in 1 Timothy 5 between uh, elders who are paid and they, they leave maybe their secular jobs to focus purely on uh, the ministry of the word. And he talks about them. He says, let the elders who rule well be considered of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so there are certain people due to their call or their gifting they might, that might do this full-time. Right? That's kind of what I'm doing. I'm a full-time paid elder, technically. This is what I do. Right? But even though I focus more of my life on it, this is something that all elders do in some form or manner. Right? I'll do it most, maybe. I'll do it more than others. And yet all elders are still called to this role. You know, technically in the Bible, and you know, I said... Uh, an elder is a, a shepherd who is an overseer. Right? They're the same role. Um, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I was, I was going to go into something, but I'm, I'm I, I think we use the word pastor a little bit like incorrectly if you go to the Bible, right? technically. Uh, the word pastor comes from the root word um, for shepherd. Right? The, the Latin word for shepherd uh, is where we get the word pastor. And so really, pastor is elder. An elder is a pastor. Right? That's the biblical definition of the way it should be. We we've tend to use the word pastor in, in, in our church and in other churches maybe a little bit more loosely just to talk about a paid staff. And so there is a little bit of, I guess, a, a confusion in the, in the meaning of that word. But technically, um, pastor is shepherd and a pastor is an elder. Um, and so I, I'm an elder of the church um, and I'm a teaching elder. Um, Daniel is is technically not an elder right now. And he actually said to me this week, hey, you know, I'm not a pastor. Right? I'm not, and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're kind of not. Um, so <laughs> we call him pastor, um, again, because we use the word a little bit kind of loosely, uh, but he's not an elder yet. And after one more year in his full-time role, he will have a voting position on the elder board. He will then be, be an, an elder in the church. And technically, that's when he'll be a pastor and he'll, he'll have a vote um, in that. But, you know, he's still paid. Uh, he's still teaching at the church. Right? There's a little bit of confusion there. But elders who aren't paid also teach in the church. Maybe here on stage. But again, uh, maybe because of their, their busyness, uh, because of gifts, they may not teach here. Right? This is why I get to do it, right? because um, I'm paid to do it. And if not here, they may then do it in other areas. Right? You don't just have to do it in public. There are, are spaces to do it in private. It doesn't have to be in big groups. There are spaces to do it in small groups. And so whether it's growth groups, whether it's one-to-one -one Bible reading, whether it's through mentoring, seminars, men's gatherings, or deep conversations, right? whenever there's an opportunity, we expect our elders to teach God's word and encourage the sheep through God's word. Right? And again, you might think, well, doesn't everyone do this? Isn't the word of God on all of our lips? And the answer is yes, but just like we all evangelize, but we're not all evangelists, 
like we are all missional, but we're not all missionaries, we all have the Word of God on our lips, but we particularly expect that from our elders. Right? And so as a church, we may ask our non-paid elders, right, our lay elders, you may say, to preach. I don't know if you've been to a church where that happens. In the past church I was at, that's heresy. No, like only you know, paid pastors are allowed to stand in this hallowed area and preach God's word. Right? But we, we, may, we may make that happen. And, and if they don't, it's not because they can't. Right? It's because maybe because they're, they're busy and there are other opportunities to do that. Not only do they know God's word to teach God's word, but then they guard God's word. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Elders know God's word not only to teach what is right, but to rebuke what is wrong. To protect the purity of the gospel and to ensure we have sound doctrine. So elders are playing offense by teaching God's word and they're playing defense by guarding God's word as well. You know, Jesus warned about the false prophets that will come into the church. He described them as ravenous wolves. In the passage we, we heard at the start, he says how he will, uh, wolves will come and the one who's not a shepherd, they run away and they abandon their sheep. But that's not what he does. And in a similar way, that's not what the shepherds of the church do. And when you see the letters to the early church, false teaching and doctrine was one of the main focuses of what they talked about. People were coming into the church and leading people astray with things that were not biblical. They were taking them away from Jesus. And Paul was really angry about that. And he urged the leaders of the church to make sure that God's word was taught and protected. And so the elders of the church function to protect God's word, to ensure that there's no one here, you know, preaching heresy. Right, to teaching uh, wrong things that will lead people astray. Now, the, the reality is none of our theology is perfect. All of us are going to say something in a Bible study that's not technically correct. And, you know, each of us when we pray, you know, not always, right? That's okay. But sometimes people come, you know, purposefully trying to lead people astray, and those things are not okay. And so just as a shepherd will protect the sheep from the wolves, the elders are here to protect the sheep from those who might come in here to lead people astray this may be the main spiritual battle we have as a church that god's word might be diluted and that people will be led astray uh, from mishandling god's word and so an elder feeds the church by knowing god's word by teaching it and guarding it i can confidently say that um yeah that as the elders come in that they have a heart to help each of us know God better by knowing God's word better. And that's what we're going to try to do. And we're not perfect in this, but we're going to continue to grow in this and to continue to help you to grow in it as well. The third thing an elder does is that they plead. They plead on behalf of the church to God. Right? They pray. One of the greatest ways an elder can serve the church is by praying for the church. This is one of the greatest ways we can serve the church. We pray. When you look at the life of our chief shepherd, Jesus, uh, he marked out time to pray. He made it a priority. Right? We see it in Luke 5. He would go to desolate places to pray. When the first leaders of the church gathered together, they were praying. And that's when the Spirit came. 
It was in prayer then the church was birthed. And as the church grew, we see that the, the apostles started to get super busy. And so then they began to delegate some of their tasks to other servants in Acts 6 so that they might devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The apostles said, you guys do this because we need to feed the church with the word and we need to pray. One of the things that they said, we need to do this. We need to make sure that we're doing this. And so as elders of the church, in all that we do, we're committed to pray. We're committed to pray as we lead the church. God, what what is it that you want for us as we make decisions and we discuss? We're praying that we might be fed by God so that we might then feed you. We're praying right as we gather together. So this shows up in an elder's life in a bunch of different ways, right? In the book, uh, Church Elders by Jeremy Rin, he points out four places that prayer might show up in an elder's life. And I'll just go through this quickly. First, it shows up in our private life, right? It must. But when we're just with God and no one else, we are praying, right? That's where it must start. Second, it shows up in personal prayer. And this is when we're with you. As you share something to us, hopefully the elders can pray for you. Maybe you're outside after service, you share something that you're struggling with. I think it'd be beautiful for the elders, right? and for all of us really, but I think it'd be beautiful for an elder to be like, can I just pray for you right now in the midst of a busy, crowded room? Right? That's one of the things we want to be able to do for you. We want to be able to pray for you uh, one-on-one. Another area it will show up is in our presbyter prayer. Presbyter is, is, a, is the Greek word for elder, right? in our elder meetings. As we gather as elders, you know, the temptation is like, let's just make decisions. Uh, I'm busy. I've got work tomorrow. Um, I've had a long day. Let's just get this over and done with. Uh, But as we gather together, what we're going to strive to do is mark out time to pray for the church and to pray for you. And we've been doing that as an interim council. Over the last few years, we would uh, put on the table any needs that we know of of that, that we need to pray for. People who are particularly struggling, things that are happening in your lives, and we put that, you know, we share it and we pray. We've been praying for you as far as we know what's going on. And the last one is public prayer. Elders will pray, like we heard today, as Brother Songsu, he presided, he prayed. And so in official gatherings like Sunday service or conferences or seminars, elders may pray. And not only elders, but they may pray to model prayer. But again, I think it would be wonderful if they will pray in public, not just in official settings, but let's say you're just hanging out for a meal in a group and someone shares something. It would be great for the elders. This is what I hope for the elders, okay? The three of you here that that have potentially invited in. That if anyone were to speak up and say, hey, why don't we pray about that right now as a group, that it would be the elders that are modeling the importance of prayer and then showing us how we might pray through situations like that. Right? In these ways and more, we want to be elders who pray. But even as I say this, even as I say we as the elders, we are committed to pray for you as a church and pray for you as individuals, uh, a part of it is that uh, we invite you to come tell us what we need to pray for. Uh, we are always happy to pray for you. But sometimes we just don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we hear it from other people, and that's, that's all right. You know, then we get to pray for you. But it would be wonderful if you felt comfortable to approach us for prayer. Um, I think there's a, there's a 
desire, I don't know what to call it, but in our church, I think there's a thought that, you know, I'm going to go to my friends and my growth group leaders or stuff like that, and that's wonderful. And if I'm going to go to anyone official, well, I'm going to go to my pastors. Right? Maybe that's kind of how we think. Um, and that's great, but I'd love for you to feel comfortable to approach any of our elders and say, I need your prayer. Right? That's a part of why they're here. And so please feel comfortable to come to any elder as they get voted in. Last, they heed the needs of the church. Right? They know what's going on so that they might respond in love and care. Right? They care for the church. Jesus said of himself, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right? This is the extent of his love and his care. It's self-sacrificial. It's service. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus is a shepherd, not distant. He's not a leader that gathers in a room separate from us and has no connection to us, maybe like a corporate board might be. But he as our leader, as our shepherd, knows us closely. He knows our struggles and our situations, and then he acts on it right, to serve us. And of course, we see that most clearly at the cross. But just as this is how Jesus loves and cares for his sheep, the elders want to know you and to care for you and to serve you. Right? Christ's under-shepherds heed the needs of the church and then respond in love. The Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian elders, pay careful attention, right? not only to yourselves, but to all the flock. Right? Pay careful attention to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church now, with its elders, is here to care for the flock of God. Right? It's not just the elders. We want to be caring for one another as a faith family of God. And yet, there are particular situations that come to our attention, specific needs that may you know, come to us. And, and we as an elder board might say, you know, how can we particularly care for them? Maybe one of us should reach out to them, have a, have a meal with them, ask how they're going. Especially when people are really struggling in their faith, this is when the elders may step in. James talks about this in James chapter 5. I think I preached this last year. He says that the sick should call the elders. And the way that I argued this was that I believe it's not physical sickness, it's a spiritual sickness. Those who are spiritually struggling, particularly, call the elders. Let them know what you're going through. When you're at the end of your faith, you're about to quit church, you're about to quit God, call the elders. Because out of all the people in the church, hopefully the elders are doing well with God right now. Hopefully the elders have some good counsel to give you. Hopefully the elders will feel comfortable to pray for you. Hopefully the elders right, are steadfast in their faith. And so you call the elders, and they're going to come to you, they will pray for you, and they will tend to your needs, which is the anointing with oil. We want to care for you. Maybe not everyone all the time, but especially if you're struggling, we want to know. Right? Feel comfortable to come let us know, and we will do our best to serve you. As I reflect on the three years that we've spent as an interim council, it's been really encouraging to me to see like, many moments where needs would arise, and I see uh, the individuals or us as a group uh, go out of our way to help. And you may not know, but there are these circumstances that I can remember where I, I then hear that we, we talked about it and then one of the council members went and did something financially 
or they met up with them. They reached out to them. Right? This is the heart of all our elders, our, our council members and our future elders. Right? We want to help you and serve you no matter what you're going through. And so in conclusion, these are the four things that an elder does. Now you could probably add maybe a couple more, but elders lead the church through our discussions, our decisions, by setting direction of the church. We lead, and I invite us to joyfully submit and champion the, the elder leadership. Elders feed the church as we know God's word, teach God's word, and we guard God's word. And we're committed to know God's word as best as we can. Right? All those who teach uh, at this church, right? not just elders, me, Daniel, and Sarah, I'm very confident we, we, f- we treat it very um, as a huge privilege and of great importance to teach God's word well. Right? And we, we, we want to do that. So hopefully you will be fed. Elders plead for the church in our private prayer, personal prayer, presbyter prayer, public prayer. We pray. And we all pray. All of us do. But elders, we're trying to remember to do that. And we want to heed the needs of the church. We want to care for you. And I, together with the future elders who will be elected, are committed to these things. We're committed to you, right, as we do these things. It is for God's glory and it is for your gain. And as a faith family, what I'm inviting you to do is to pray for us, support us and champion us as we try to fulfill this role in the family of God. I want to invite us to pray right now. And I'm going to invite us to pray for three things. The first thing is that we thank God for Jesus. We thank God for Jesus, who is our chief shepherd, who even now leads his church as the head of the church. Even now he feeds the church through his word. Even now he pleads for the church as our intercessor. And even now he cares for us as he heeds the needs and fulfills it through many means. Jesus is still our chief shepherd. He's our ultimate leader. Thank God for Jesus. The second, can you pray for the future elders? That as we try to establish this model of governance in our church, which we believe is biblical, that the church might flourish. Pray for uh, the potential elders, uh, Song Su, John and Mark. Pray for myself. Pray for Daniel who will become an elder in a year's time. uh, That we might fulfill these roles well. And third, would you pray for yourself? Would you pray for your commitment to this church? commitment to support and champion the elders commitment to pray for your elders would you pray for your heart and so we thank god for jesus we pray for our elders and would you pray for yourself let's spend a few minutes doing that and then we'll sing a song let's pray
to our final song.